You're listening to a message from Ogden Church, a gospel-centered ministry for all people. We hope during the next few minutes you gain a better understanding of God's love expressed in the person of Jesus Christ. about you if you've ever experienced something that was unbelievably difficult to describe to other people. Maybe it's a, a sunset or a situation where you just were blown away and then you tried to tell somebody about what your experience was, but you couldn't figure out a way to articulate what had happened to you. I've had uh, a few experiences like this. One happened with my son. We were in Chicago and my son, myself, and a friend of ours went and saw the Blue Man Group. I don't know if anybody's had this experience. It's fascinating. It was sort of just a ton of noise and crazy sounds happening, and it just kept building. This show that we went to just kept getting more and more intense. I was like, how are they going to top this? And somehow they did. And then at the end, there's this crescendo of just crazy amounts of sound, and then they're bringing like fabric and sheets over the whole crowd stuff's falling from the ceiling it was unbelievable and I was sitting there thinking to myself like man I don't know how I'm even gonna tell my wife what we just experienced this is like wild what's happening here and what had happened to me is kind of like what we're gonna see happens to the prophet Isaiah in our passage he gets a picture of of God's glory, and he's just trying to help us understand in, in human language, which is limited, exactly what he saw. It's so unbelievable and so amazing that we get a picture of it, but it's hard to see the full glory of God in what he describes, but it is amazing. And over our series leading into Christmas, we're going to look at characteristics of God. And this week is God is glorious. This is so important for us because what we often have the tendency to do is make God smaller or easier for us to understand or more like just sort of a really good guy. God is glorious and amazing and incredible. And so we need to never forget how just amazing and glorious God is. There are three things that we see with God's glory in this passage. It's, there's revelation that takes place to the prophet Isaiah. He responds, he has a response to God's glory, and he is renewed. We see revelation, response, and renewal. In the first four verses, he gets this picture. He sees just how incredible and amazing God is. Listen to how this is described. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne in the train of his robe, filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts shook, the thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. 
He walks in, and this is an incredible scene. It's actually set up in verse 1 where he says, In the year the king Uzziah died. The king has died. This is the guy who's supposed to lead God's people. He's God's chosen king for the chosen people. He's dead, and you would think that there would be an opportunity for people to be very stressed, very scared, and uncertain. And what God does for the prophet Isaiah is he says, no, 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 I know your world might be in chaos, but step in to my throne room. I'm going to give you a picture of who I am. And the prophet looks... And he sees these incredible creatures just flying. And they can't even hardly stand to be in God's presence. They're covering themselves because God's glory is so radiant and amazing and powerful. They're just covering themselves saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory and the train of his robe is filling the room and smoke and the room is shaking. He's seeing this incredible scene. You know, one of the fears I think that we have is we think to ourselves, is God really as amazing as, as I hope that he is? Will I be let down one day if I, if I walk in and, and I see God? Well, I have like this Wizard of Oz moment, right? Like I watched Wizard of Oz with my kids and there's these people that uh, they become sort of traveling buddies and they all have an issue and they need to go see the wizard and he's going to solve their problem. And they get there and the room's amazing. His voice is booming, but then he comes out from behind the curtain. He's just a, a dude. He's just a guy. It's like, you don't have power. And then he somehow like fake solves all their problems. Like you really are courageous. You really are smart. And they, they like he just encourages them and they somehow have the solution inside of themselves even though he has no ability to actually solve their problems this is the fear that we have but what we find and what we see in this passage is the exact opposite experience you see we we do have issues and we are on a journey and there is a destination and our hope is to get into and be around the glory and presence of God and when we we find ourselves in that place he actually is the answer and what Isaiah sees and what we see is God is so much better he blows away our expectations of his glory these creatures are amazed and they're just repeating and praising God and there's distance between Isaiah and the throne. You see, up to this point, God hasn't spoken. Isaiah hasn't spoken. The only thing that we've heard is these angelic beings calling out the glory of God. Now, what's your picture of God? How do you think of God? Do you think of just a, a guy with a shepherd's crook who's just carrying a baby around, you know, like he's got a lamb, he's, he's really nice and gentle and meek and mild. Like, these are parts of who God is, but if we never gain a full picture of God's glory, we'll never truly worship him and honor him for who he is. Because if we don't think rightly about God, he doesn't become something that we worship and fully surrender to. You see, we want a God who can solve our problems, but not a God who tells us what to do. Like, hey God, I want to bring all my problems to you, but will you just let me do all the things that I wanted to do in the first place? You see, when this revelation takes place, Isaiah all of a sudden maybe walks into the throne room with an idea about what his problems 
on earth are. He's like, the king's dead. I got some problems that I got to talk to God about, but his response isn't what we would think that it would be. He walked in there maybe thinking, well, God, I have some things that I need to tell you about and you need to fix. But he sees the throne round, and his response is something totally different. In verse 5, Isaiah speaks. He says, woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. My eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. He sees his own sin, his own brokenness, because God is so amazing, and his glory is shining so brightly in this situation that it reveals Isaiah's issues. This is a guy who works for God. He's chosen by God. He's his prophet. You would think that he'd be a pretty good guy, but in the presence of God's glory, he's like, I, woe to me, I am undone. Like, I am unclean. The people I come from, we're, we're unclean. We're, we're not fit to be in God's presence. His glory reveals our sin. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where they have black lights out. Like maybe if you're a roller skater, we got a lot of roller skaters out there. Or people who go bowling and they, they turn on the black lights and you, you thought that the mustard stain came out of your shirt. But it's still there. Like the glory of God reveals even the tiniest of cracks in our hearts and our souls and sin. He's so beautiful and so pure that no matter how long we live on this earth, we will always have more to surrender, more to ask for forgiveness for. I had an experience recently where, where I, I thought something was okay, but because of the situation I was in, it turned out not being okay. I don't know if you've seen this movie. When I was younger, I loved the movie uh, Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, one of my favorites. Right? I've seen it probably 40 times. I don't have a log of this. It's not definitive proof, but I've seen it many times. And I thought, this would be great. This movie's hilarious. I'm going to watch this with my children. I don't know if you've had this experience. I got about 10 minutes into it, and I thought, nope, I'm shutting this off inappropriate. That's messed up. Why would I think about watching that with my young children? There's a lot of weird stuff in that movie. Why did it seem okay for me in one situation, and then really wildly inappropriate in another? Because of the innocence of my children in that room, I thought completely differently about the thing that I was watching. Now, is it possible that in our lives we've become sort of comfortable with the idea of certain sins, certain issues, certain struggles, become okay to us. But then all of a sudden we step into a different situation and the glory of God pours into our lives and we start to see, whoa, 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 I have some things that I yet still need to work on. I don't know about your experience with, with worship, but I've had a few really intense worship experiences, like God's omnipresent. He's everywhere, but there have been a few moments in my life where I've just felt God's Holy Spirit presence like powerfully. And in those moments, sometimes I'll just find myself weeping before God, realizing like, Father, I cannot believe that you are so amazing, yet you still love me. 
convicted of sin. It's interesting that he says, you know, Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips. This would seem to be a lower level sin, right? Like he's not saying, uh, hey, woe to me because I murdered somebody. Woe to me, I, I steal all the money that I have. He's not saying these are huge high level sins. It's, it's even the smallest things that God cares about. That's how glorious and amazing he is. Don't grow comfortable with the level of sin in our lives. And the response, once we see this incredible God, this glorious God, this amazing God, the response should be to self-reflect, see our own sin and surrender again and say, God, I'm unclean, I, I need you. And there's good news here. It's, it's not just, yes, God is amazing and you're sinful. Yeah, we, we have issues, we have things that we need to wrestle with, and God's glory reveals that in our lives. But God doesn't leave us there. He doesn't leave us just in the brokenness of our sin. Verses 6 and 7, God speaks for the first time to Isaiah. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand. God takes action to go toward Isaiah which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. This is the interaction that happens between one of the seraphim and Isaiah. So I said God spoke directly. He's going to do that in just a second. The seraphim comes down. He goes to the altar, which is signifying sacrifice. So we need sacrifice in order to be clean. He goes to the altar. He grabs one of the coals from the fire, which signifies God's judgment. There's so much imagery in these few verses that is rich to help us understand how we relate to God. And so God goes toward Isaiah in his sinfulness. He's, he's far away and he's broken. He needs to be cleansed and washed clean. And one of the things I think many of us understand is we say, you know, I get that Jesus died for my sin. He washes me clean of my sin. But that's not the only thing that's mentioned here, is it? The seraphim says, see, this has touched your lips and your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Your guilt is taken away. Jesus died to wash us of our sin and remove our guilt. All of that is on him. And the reason we struggle with this idea, the reason we don't like it, is many of us actually love feeling guilty. We think if I can just make myself feel guilty enough, make myself feel bad enough, I'll actually somehow pay for the sins that I've committed. If I just am guilty enough and I, I wake up feeling bad, then eventually God will be like, well, you know, you, you've really paid for that. You, you've done a good job. No. Jesus frees us not just from sin, but from guilt. Part of the reason we also do this is because we do this to each other. We do this in our relationships with one another. So my, my wife was gone in the morning this one particular day, and I was home. I thought, you know, I'm going to do something really nice for my wife. I'm going to serve her. I'm going to go into my basement. Our basement was a mess. 
It was disgusting. And so I went down there, and I cleaned the whole thing. Cleaned the whole basement. She's gone. She doesn't even know what's happening. Big surprise, right? She comes home. She's like, hey, what did you do this morning? I'm like, hey, come downstairs. Check it out. And she walks downstairs, and she's like, why did you do that? I said, well, I thought cleaning the basement was a nice thing. And she said, my plan was to have our children clean it because they're the ones that messed it up, and now you messed up my plan. So then I freak out. I'm like, how dare you? I was like, I was trying to serve you. You need to accept this. this that's messed up that you're going to yell at me because I cleaned the basement. That's crazy. The first thing you say to me, you had a plan. I didn't do your plan. I fixed the basement. Say thank you. Okay, so we're having this interaction. And she realizes, like, hey, maybe I shouldn't have said that. So she apologizes, and I'm like, I, I forgive you. She's like, I'm sorry I said that. I forgive you. But the next couple of days, I kept reminding her that that happened. So, like, the next day, I was like, hey, remember when you said that to me? That was kind of messed up. She's like, I thought you forgave me. It's like, I did, but I remember, and I'm thinking about it, so you need to also think about it. And then we do this to each other all the time, right? You think, well, if I'm upset about this, you're going to also be thinking about it. You're going to be upset, and then once I'm not upset about it anymore, I'll let it go. Because we're human, and we don't have the ability to perfectly remove someone's guilt. But what Jesus offers us, what God shows us here is he can wash away our sin and remove our guilt. Are there things that you've done in your past that you feel like continue to haunt you to this day that you cannot let go of? God says, I died to remove your sin. I died to take upon me your guilt. Conviction is a different thing. Convicted of sin, something we should seek and deal with. Guilt is something different altogether. It is not of God, and God frees us from that. Are you picking up chains that Jesus broke you free of? He has this revelation about God. He responds in recognition of his own sin, and he's renewed by God coming to him. You see, the altar these sacrifices often somebody would bring a sacrifice to God this is a different sort of sacrifice that we're shown where God goes to Isaiah he crosses this barrier between God's holiness and our brokenness he goes to him so that they can be in relationship with each other everything that you've ever longed for ever wanted is only satisfied and found in a relationship with a perfect God who loves you. He is in his throne room being worshipped and in glory and we long for these things and we constantly bow down to all of these other things but they will not satisfy. They'll leave us empty except for a relationship with God. In verse 8, this is what God says to Isaiah. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And I said, Here I am. Send me. 
Revelation, response, renewal that leads ultimately to a relationship. God wants to be in relationship with you. He invites us to say, I've got a mission for you. I've got a job for you. And if you read further on, the job that he gives Isaiah is not fun. It's not a good job. People are going to not listen to him. They're going to ignore him. It's going to be tough where he's going. But you know what Isaiah does? He interprets where he's going through what he's seen of God. He sees how incredible and glorious God is. He's not saying, well, that's hard, God. You're telling me to go someplace difficult. He says, I am on a mission. God has given me something to do. He's asking me to go. I don't care where it is. Here I am. Send me. He doesn't say, hey, God, give me your five-point plan. Tell me what's going to work out. What's the return on my investment, Father? Give me your performance improvement plan for myself, and then I'll go. He says, who's going to go for us? God's showing even precursors, pre-shadows of the Trinity here, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who will go for us. And Isaiah responds, here am I. Send me. Whatever God is calling you to do can be glorious because he is glorious. No matter what that job is, I don't care if it's cleaning toilets, if it's raising children, stay-at-home mom, stay-at-home dad, those things can be glorious because God is glorious. You maybe sell insurance. Maybe you're a lawyer, a financial advisor. There are all sorts of different jobs that we can have. Every single one can be glorious because we serve a glorious God. When He sends us, we're sent by the King. And surrounded by his glory. Do you look at your life, your daily occurrences, and think, what is, what's the point? What's the big deal? When we go to our lives, God is saying to everyone in this room, whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Do you interpret your world through the limitations that you see. I have, I have assignments too. I have cleaning that needs to be done. Every single aspect can be made glorious because God is that amazing. It says the whole earth is full of His glory. All of it. Not just this room. Not just our church, not just the room where you do your Bible study at home. None of, none of these things contain God's glory. It is everywhere. So when you go to basketball practice or you're taking out the trash, any of those things can be glorious for the name of God if we surrender ourselves to Him and we say, God, I'm going to go because you've asked me to go. Invite God's glory to where He's called you to be. You see, God doesn't leave us in our brokenness and sin. He comes to us, He renews us, and He wants to be in relationship to you as He calls you out and into the world to reach people for Him. In this lost and broken world that is constantly telling us it's enough for us, it isn't. This world is broken. It says in the year that King Uzziah died, 
this year, when things looked bad, God says to Isaiah, step in here and let me show you what's really going on. He pulls the curtain back and far from being disappointed, Isaiah is amazed and washed in God's glory. And his only response is, God, I'm broken. I need you. And then God says, who's going to go for me? He says, here am I. Send me. Are you finding yourself in a place of not responding to God's voice? Saying, look, I, I just kind of do what I, I have to do. Wouldn't it be more beautiful and better for all of us if we lived each and every moment of every day in the light of God's glorious action, in the truth that this picture is happening right now? God is surrounded by angelic beings being worshipped and praised because He is worthy. God is glorious. And our goal is, as we look at these characteristics of God, are to see Him more clearly so that we can surrender to Him more fully. Let's pray, and then we'll close. Father, we thank You so much for this picture of who You are. The fact that You are glorious and You are worthy. God, I pray that we would see more clearly the beauty of who you are, and it would change us, and others would see in us your love and beauty as we try to reflect that to the world. Thank you, God, that you're glorious, and you show us more of who you are. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. Please join us on Sunday mornings at 9.30 or 11 a.m. If you'd like any more information about Ogden Church, just visit our website at ogdenchurch.org or Facebook.